It's This Week in Sleaze with your host, the great lord, Joshua Regal and Sleazy K. This podcast has been rated Category 3. No one under 18 may be permitted. Let's talk some Category 2B. Fucking. Okay. We, we, we've, like grown to accept the fact that the rape by an angel move is mostly on category three so i i guess that's um you can sense the disappointment in my voice but uh that that's where it is i'll explain what we're doing here uh, wong jing was always there in the rape by an angel series uh, producing most of the time but he's taking reins of the director's share for the fourth entry in the rape by an angel series called rape by an angel for the rapists union and that's not uh, us, the podcast hosts, uh, contrary to uh, contrary to the image that was sent to us a few months ago. Uh, me, Lord, great Lord Joshua Regal and King, who uh, uh, depicted, in, and uh, we we didn't go with that angle. We, uh, uh, you know, as you said, uh, too much of a ringing endorsement to actually make it our brand. <laughs> but uh, we, when we watch this movie, when you watch this movie, you you, you get a sense that it, it is. A Wong Jing with no shame heading this, uh, despite though working with the Category 2B rating or getting a Category 2B rating. The, the, this is a special one, the fourth one. And for the fifth entry, Dr. Lam and Red to Kill's Billy Tang, many years after the heyday of his Category 3 work, his uh, ferocious Category 3 work, he gets to tackle was. Uh, what was the final entry and judgment, if you will, in the Rape by an Angel series, and that is Rape by an Angel 5, the final judgment. One of those few series that actually ended when the final movie, so to say, came out, you know, the final chapter, rather than re- restarting it the next year, it uh, it was the final one, sort of. Because a few years later, like three, four years later, someone else wanted in on the 5 craze. But more details on that later. And this is uh, Sleazy K, and uh, with me is the great Lord Joshua Regal. Yo. Yo. Very contained, so yeah, yeah mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, the pirate is somewhere, Batman is somewhere, but we're... <laughs> <laughs> we're maybe we're not uh, enthusiastic and warmed up, uh, because I'm it's... Uh, only if it's Category 3, then they'll come up come out instantly you know oh yeah but uh here we're dealing with category 2b and it's um okay okay then (laughs) it has rape yeah it has raped in the title so we're Mm -hmm. here and they're there so and a union yeah okay before we talk of the fourth one we are going through some contact information this is this week in sleaze on the podcast on fire network website for this and all the other shows plentiful varied shows uh, located at podcastonfire.com Email for feedback, podcastonfire at googlemail.com. We have a bonus episode section on the website, which uh, was born out of the fact that we did prior. members. uh, We had a members-only archive on the forum where we posted exclusive content. But now that the forum is not used anymore, we started doing bonus episodes on the website. So those are website-exclusive podcasts that you can't get on iTunes or Stitcher. And as we will explain more firmly at the end of this show, there is a bonus episode attached to this one. Our very, very first. And it's going to be a 
very special one and uh, retitled slightly, you know, to um, to suit our needs. You know, so it's the bonus boner episode, obviously, on uh, on a um, on more rape by an angel, and uh, we'll 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 do more details uh, at the end of this show, and certainly when we do that episode. So keep an eye out on podcastonfire.com for this and other bonus episodes. Uh, the discussion that we had on on our forum now is uh, on Facebook uh, in our discussion group. Uh, first of all, Podcast on Fire Network discussion group can be reached by typing in Podcast on Fire Network or following the link on our page, facebook.com forward slash POF Network. That page you can like and uh, interact uh, with us on as well. So join, join us, uh, join us, join us, join the fun. And uh, twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire is where you can tweet us. So uh, follow us and have a good old time on Twitter as well. I do writing on various category free movies, Taiwanese movies, and ninja exploitation on sogoodreviews.com and sleazykvideo.com. And I, uh, well, sleazykvideo.com is, of course, where you'll find the mini video reviews of my main reviews so uh, check that out as well and follow me on twitter twitter.com forward slash so good reviews we are on itunes this weekend's list has its own feed since a while back so if you subscribe to want to subscribe rather to this weekend's list and don't want any of the other podcasts with that kenny b <laughs> that unsleazy character yeah uh, yeah we don't we don't like him around here <laughs> You can subscribe, therefore, to This Weekend Sleeves via its own feed on iTunes. And if you like the show, please leave a rating. And if you like the show even more than that, then leave a comment. We would very much appreciate that. Good or bad, constructive uh, pr- constructive criticism preferred, though. But uh, we'll take what's uh, coming to us, I guess. We get what we deserve. That's my point. And uh, if you don't like to uh, subscribe to podcasts and download them to your various devices, there is always the option of to stream the entire uh, uh, the entire network on Stitcher, Stitcher Radio. Go to Stitcher.com and, or rather go to our show post uh, attached to this podcast where you can find the This Week in Sleeves show page. But in all honesty, I think it's more smoother to download the application to your iPhone, to your iPad or Android. And once you're in, Stitcher, type in Podcast on Fire Network and each show can be added individually and follows that way and that'll be cool. And uh, we usually talk of Shelf Life clothing and we are going to talk of that because Brian Kirby has his t-shirt line. He did little, he did a little uh, mini Gungsy t-shirt over, over the Halloween season that is on sale right now. You know, Kid Vampires, uh, which was uh, very cool. So... Check that out on shelflifeclothing.com, that t-shirt and the various other movie retro kind of related t-shirts. And he also designed our intro to the show. But, 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 now the great Lord Joshua Regal has co-credit on that design because we finally got finger out of our behinds and redid the intro because it's it's uh, it's been saying you know king who and sleazy k and uh, king who is certainly here in spirit but uh, when the great lord joshua regal is on which is almost all the time then it deserves to be mentioned so so uh you joshua redesigned the intro and it's all very splendid in that regard so thank you very much pretty much all i did was speak into a microphone well, more than I could have. 
in, in the case of that, cr- creating that. So so good on you. And uh, but speaking of King Hu, his blog is out there in the mood for guaylo.blogspot.com, where he occasionally posts uh, posters and various Hong Kong movie junk, and occasionally that creepy creepy uh, aspect of uh, posting your uh, food on the net. <laughs> And uh, I, it's not only him that does that. I'll, I'll tell you, you know, to bring it really back to reality, I find that so creepy. Oh, come <laughs> yeah. on. I, I mean, I mean look, just imagine walking into a restaurant. You have 20 tables and 18 of them are all snapping pictures of the fucking food. <laughs> that's, that's the way it is these days. I'm, I know, but why did it turn into that? You know, Instagram that shit now. Look at our food. Well, it's like when I go to a restaurant or whatever, which I don't eat out often. You know, if I go to McDonald's or something like that, I'm not going to sit there and take a picture of my McDouble. But, you know, if I'm sitting there paying for something and it's pretty, well, you know, I figure, hey, look, you know, show the world, hey, I'm not totally cheap. Occasionally I buy stuff. So is that the psychology behind it? Oh, yeah. That I didn't know. Oh, why? Fine, fine. Sorry. Pardon me. I just want, you know, I want people to know that, uh, this I'm is not... going in me, and it's going oh, out of me as well, yes. in a few hours. <laughs> Later on, I'm going to be shitting this. this is, uh... <laughs> but it's going to be good for a while. Yeah, so. um, I, I don't know, I still find it creepy. <laughs> it's it one of those, like, is, it's my kryptonite you know. kind of thing, you know what I mean? I can't, I can't fully explain it, you know. Just show Ken, you know, pictures of uh, what you ate. Like, oh my god, take it away, I don't want to see it. <laughs> I don't think it's necessary to do the filters, though. I don't... Uh... <laughs> Hipstamatic uh, uh, picture of uh, my spaghetti. I don't think that's necessary. Is that food really fresh? Can't <laughs> see. I don't know. It's kind of green. It's pretty weird. All right. Uh, we. Um, I know this for a fact because we are doing um, a show, uh, another show at the tail end of December. I know for a fact that this show that you're listening to now will be released in December as well, mid-December perhaps. So, what's relevant to speak of when it uh, when it comes to the shenanigans over at Very Celluloid and the cinema then? Yeah, not much has been happening on Very Celluloid since then. Uh, I've actually been, like, trying... I try to watch movies recently, and I've just been like, oh, fuck it, I just want to go to sleep. But, uh, yeah, Kung Fu Christmas now is just days away, it seems. Is it one a day, or how are you planning this? uh, That's the same thing, you know, just kind of hoping for, you know. um, So far, I've got a few reviews. uh, Pedigab Drivers, one that's recently I've just done, and uh, just got them kind of building up the stack, you know, for release. You know, at least give me that first week off so I can sit there and during that week stack up more reviews, and that's Mm -hmm. kind of the hope, you know. And uh, I'm about to finish up with school, so hopefully, you know, it won't be, you know, an unrelenting you know hard time this december but uh yeah there's gonna be plenty of kung fu action over on very celluloid but, but not necessarily the expected choices it's not like you're gonna enjoy uh, rather a uh, review like this is 36 chamber of shaolin and uh, you know all the acts that it's a great movie but uh, i know for yeah. a fact last year you did like obscure chang chi movies that weren't even you know period kung fu movies they were uh, modern day action movies so you, you're going with you know it's a broad uh, broad mm-hmm. spectrum, if you will. Oh yeah, I'm I'm gonna be picking like just fringe choices. It's usually how I go. I just find things that, you know, sometimes things that are just uh, on the outskirts of even being, you know, kung fu films and stuff like that, or you know, a different martial art or something like that. You know, it's definitely gonna be some uh, 
different choices, hopefully some older Taiwan stuff or what have you. It, it'll be a good time. Maybe I'll get to go through the uh, crippled uh, heroes, you know, two other, the sequels to mm-hmm. crippled uh, masters. Yeah. Which I've had for a while, but haven't actually delved into. So, Dolomites? No, <laughs> Shaolin Dolomites. Yeah. Yes. Great idea. Didn't even think about it. It's a it's a martial arts hero of sorts. Oh yeah. And he's I a mean, pimp. He is. He brings a lot to the table. What, what was that guy? What was that guy's name again? Rudy yeah. Ray Moore. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Disco Godfather. For those of you out there who haven't seen it absolutely must-have cinema right there. Right on. Um, anything to mention about the V Cinema going into December? I guess you maybe have a show in you still uh, f- mm-hmm. before the end of the year? Uh, I recently recorded with John. We did uh, a little segment on Game Center CX, which is a Japanese TV show, if anybody's seen it. It's basically about a man who sits around and plays retro games and has like 12 hours to actually beat a game from start to finish and uh, it's an awesome show and uh, I've been a big fan of it so decided to do a little mini segment on it. So It's a very wacky uh, wacky uh, color colory and loud Japanese style mm-hmm. it's a very... No. It's uh, very very toned down it's not even like the usual you know Japanese variety show you know kind of comedy or anything like that even though the guy who hosts it is a comedian and he's part of like a uh, duo and stuff like that where you would expect it to be kind of Takeshi's Castle style or something like that but it's really just a guy sitting in a plain white room you know it's a little silly he dresses up like a uh, you know chief or whatever it's some kind of like um, supervisor it looks like he'd be in a mechanic shop or something like that but he sits there and um, basically Riley makes jokes about you know his crew and the games he's playing and stuff like that but uh it's it's about the love of the games really it, it is a, it's a good show excellent excellent oh looking forward to that uh before the end of the year or, or yeah exactly that uh, that too and the uh, latest v cinema podcast whenever it comes out before the end of the before the end of the year or maybe yeah, i'm sure Right on, we are moving on and uh, tackling the first movie of this episode, and it's Raped by an Angel 4, The Rapist's Union from 1999. We're far away from the heyday of Category 3, and uh, for, again, we can only theorize about the reasons why the remainder of the series went the Category 2B route, because uh, we're not talking extensively censored movies here. They are clearly shot with uh, an intention to be less graphic uh, uh, commercial reasons in a struggling Hong Kong cinema possibly um, but it was not like Wong Jing was uh, you know put restrictions on himself that he, he wasn't gonna, gonna make category 3 movies at all, he, he did I mean he re- resurrected the, uh, the Chinese Torture Chamber story series uh, uh, by making the sequel uh, or producing the sequel in 1998 and that's a pretty 
pretty graphic movie and uh, category free for good reasons. Uh, Mark Chang, huge paintbrush, shoved up, you know where. No, uh, not uh, into himself though. <laughs> <laughs> all all good fun uh, actually but uh, the plot uh, Ray Van Angel 4 and taken from Love HK Films review of the film so quote the previous films had rapists who were at the top of their game devising clever ways to rape the desired targets well this time there are three rapists oh and, and they band together to form a union <laughs> uh, they're led by Ben M actor Benham. I don't remember his character's name now, Peter, possibly. Um, he's an, an ex-CIA spook who uses the latest in miniature technology to peep and prod into the lives of his victims, notably lovely novelist, Suki, uh, played by Suki Kwan. He starts by talking to her friend and then moves on to Kwan using his rapist buddies. And these are the characters, the real life characters of Dr. Lam and the Tun Moon rapists. And they are his helpers. Wow. Viva la Wong Jing. So uh, let's, uh, let's get into this movie in a little, little bit and just briefly talk about the two main actors in this movie, which is uh, Nick Chung and Suki Kwan. And uh, speaking of Nick Chung, I mean, how. How perceptions and time changes, you know, the direction of an actor. I mean, he's really an example of that. Uh, again, this is 1999, and uh, you know, he was hyped up during the 90s as as the next Stephen Chow, but he's really now plowing his own path, especially after winning all uh, winning at least one award, the Hong Kong Film Award for Best Actor in uh, Dante Lam's Beast Stalker, which is so far removed from the Nick Chung of uh, this time. So. But he was actually a royal Hong Kong policeman for five years before he joined ATV as an actor. This is in the 80s. And a fresh-faced Nick can be seen acting uh, in quite a lot of Danny Lee, production from this, Danny Lee productions from this time. Ranging from Against All, which was 1990-91, Red Shield, the shot on video Shoot to Kill. Which is one of the few unsubbed movies that I could see and understand it, uh, um, it came from Danny Lee's uh, production company Magnum and they did a few of these uh, sh- shot on video uh, unsubbed uh, unsub production and it was pretty pretty good actually pretty violent and he was scary in that one so I, I did like it uh, even without subtitles later on he co-starred with Danny Lee in uh, Aman Chang's He Is My Enemy Partner and Father-in-Law Great title, and Aman Chang is, as you might remember, the director of Rape by an Angel 2 and 3. And he became, Nick Chung that is, a center of, um, of uh, a comedy center in uh, Wong Jing's Con Man movies. Uh, Con Man in Tokyo, Con Man in Vegas, uh, um, the Tokyo one. I, I think, uh, I don't know if two of them were by Wong Jing, at least the first one, the Con Man, but uh, the Tokyo one was directed by Tony Ching Su Dong. Uh, but here's the problem with Nick, though. As much hype as he had behind him, I can't think of a movie where Nick showed that comedic promise in my eyes. Uh, Robbie was, when he started breaking out of that image, um, in my eyes, I, I remember the first time I kind of sat up, hey, that's a different Nick Chung, and I like this different Nick Chung. And it was in Johnny Toe's Breaking News, where he played um, a cop, uh, um, an action role, and... Uh, it, it really has been followed up impressively um, in other Johnny Toe movies, such as Election. He plays this uh, triad badass who does 
anything anyone says to him, apparently. I mean, he performs anything he's, he's asked to do, and he, I think he eats glass or something like that in the first one, in some confrontation at a boat, and uh, a silent part, mostly, I remember. Uh, I remember. He played uh, a role as... Uh, you, you could say he played a pervert in Pang Ho Chung's Exodus, but it's not as simple as that, because if... Uh, I don't know if you remember the plot, in general plot of Exodus. Uh, it was about... Uh, no, no, no. Pang Ho Chung is more quirky than that. They, w- they were trying to uh, find out what uh, kind of plans women are making behind closed doors, behind closed bathroom doors. You know, they're planning to take down men. They're, someone has a theory about this, among others, Nick Chung's character, who has to obviously spy on women, and therefore he gets caught as a peeper. Uh, very cool little movie, uh, Pang Ho Chung's Exodus. He's, of course, the director of Dream Home, You Shoot, I Shoot, Men Suddenly in Black, and what have you. Uh, and finally, he played, as I said, the scarred villain, Nick Chung, that is, in Dante Lam's Beast Stalker, and um, really well-deserved Best uh, Actor Award at the Hong Kong Film Awards for Nick. It was um, a big performance, a physical performance, and, uh, and obviously a good one. So uh, I think uh, that was well-deserved. Did you ever see Beast Stalker at any point? I don't believe so. Probably, uh, probably very available there, though. I, mean, um, yeah, the majority... I think it's on Netflix, is it? I think, yeah. I, I've, a few of Dante Lam's movies are mm-hmm. on Netflix. He's been making mostly yeah. action films during the last uh, last few years, so they can easily get uh, distribution. But Beast Stalker is a very, very solid one. and Not, not an empty action film at all. I mean, uh, actor awards are handed out pretty... <laughs> randomly sometimes but it is deserved in the case of this one and uh, the makeup job on, on Nick is very very good it's, uh, one of his eyes is completely almost whitened because of his uh, burn damage and what have you so really good uh, he got married to fellow actor Esther Kwan who's in The Untold Story uh, a, a female cop everybody makes fun of she's more of a boyish character so uh, she's often play comedy so but uh, uh, he he um, he is uh, married to her, and they have a daughter born in 2006 named Brittany. So that's Nick for you. And uh, not, not that I follow him extensively, but again, I like this development in him from forced comedic presence to, to a proper actor. And I'm sure he can be funny, but uh, now I remember watching The Duel, the Andrew Lau uh, Luna New Year movie, where he had this dreadlocks and a silly mustache. You know, come on, man. Are we really? Is this this the level we're working at? And uh, no, no, absolutely, you know, nothing registered in that regard. So, so I'm glad to see that era long gone. Anyway, he, um, him, and Suki Kwan are boyfriend and girlfriend in Rape by an Angel Four. And uh, speaking of her, she was a Miss Hong Kong contestant in 1987. She didn't go on to win the pageant, but uh, even though you don't win these pageants, you you, you can land contracts with um, in the in- entertainment industry. And she landed a contract with TVB. And uh, once she moved on to film work, she had appearances in the likes of Jeff Lau's Operation Pink Squad. She plays Jet Li's wife in High Risk, which I believe dies at the beginning of the film, when the bus explodes. So he has a reason to take revenge or something like that. Uh, I know a bus exploded at the beginning of the film, but I don't know if the wife was in there or not. Uh, but, uh, I haven't seen that since the 90s. So. Yeah, so, such a wrong film as well. You know, Wong Jing being so childish about his... Uh, 
his bad history with uh, Jackie Chan that it's kind of genius. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, that, that was essentially how, this, how the script actually reads, you know. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's brilliant, actually. High Risk is a wonderful film. Uh, she was also in Sukikwan Danny Lee's Twist, which is a category three movie, very much based on the fact that, you know, in Danny Lee movies, you see a lot of, you know, torturing of suspects and what have you. You know, damn, you know, putting phone books against their chests and, you know, hitting a hammer against a phone book. But twists seem to be almost pervy in that regard because there's a lot of torture uh, inflicted against Simon Yam, who gets a hose shoved up his ass and the water turned on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Not a super graphic shot at all, but uh, yeah, that's what happened. Uh, Suki Kwan is. Uh, is uh, put in a room and the AC is turned on full and she uh, so it's cold obviously and then they throw a bucket of water on her and then she sits there and you know in a see-through see-through night and what have you and uh, has the chills so it's a very it's an exploitation movie you know times a few you know <laughs> but I, I like twist it's a, it's, a, it's a special one not easy to discuss it though but uh, there you go uh, in my mind, in terms of her better roles, she got to shine more under director Marco Mack's direction. And Marco Mack was a veteran editor for many years and then he started directing movies. In particular, she was good when she played against Francis mm, in Marco Mack's A Gambler's Story. And she was also very good in Marco Mack's The Blood Rules, which is one of the better Michael Wong performances as well. Um, she retired about six years ago so now and um, the little detail, detail I could find was that she's making money from investments so she's a businesswoman now and uh, not uh, sitting around waiting so so good on her and a good, good little respectful career and all of that so that's the actors that we that I don't care about in this movie. <laughs> 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 We're going to talk about the, you know, within our review about the actors that are that are worth caring about. So let's move into it. And first of all, we we've made it a theme during this series in particular to talk of the translation of the Chinese titles of the various raped by an angel movies. Remember the first uh, the, the first movie they wanted to be called either in Chinese or English legal rape which was uh, forced to be uh, changed, but Rape by an Angel uh, in, in English, that's a pretty punchy title, though. So uh, so it worked out fine. So I got help again from Sylvia Roran from the One-Armed Podcast on this very network, and she did a translation of the Chinese title of Rape by an Angel 4. Uh, and they, because, because they do have striking titles behind them, we, we've had that example. So here, here we go. The rough one for this one is... Uh, Strangely enough, uh, rape the final chapter, the ultimate lamb, you know, ultimate sacrificial lamb. So, Wong Jing was attempting to end the series, apparently, uh, rape the final chapter, but that's why he's possibly only, he was even more in the background for five, because he's not listed as main producer, it's his production company for five. So, uh, made enough money, possibly, or there were enough money left over to make a five and uh, so least uk uh, produced the fifth one but uh, so rape the final chapter of the ultimate lamb and wow. uh yeah kind of yeah that's that's almost good enough to have as an english title but uh rape by an angel for the rapists union holy shit that's better uh, I- i'm a fan of that yeah 
So uh, moving on therefore to my brief opinion of, of this, uh, the, the shameless elements in this, which mm. usually involves the rapist's union, obviously, uh, they, they are superb and a lot of the exploitation stuff works. But I've, I also have a huge problem with this movie. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's such a quickie that it has, uh, you know, outside of these scenes, no real identity to it um, overall. Uh, but... Uh, you know, I can rewatch it. I mean, the classic Wong Jing elements are here. His classic uh, stance on exploitation, but the dopey humor doesn't play, and uh, th- that really drags the movie down for me. But when, but but when it brings in you know characters from real life, real life murderers and rapists to be part of his union, you know, you you gotta just stand up and. You did it, Wong Jing. You did it. You got me. Uh, but uh, the, it's a it's a it's a trick for me to watch this movie. I, I should admit that. So, move it over to you. Your brief opinion, therefore. Uh, I'm quite the opposite. Uh, I think it's kind of like I like uh, the I like the comedy, but I detest the rapists. <laughs> <laughs> Those rapists make me sick. I hate to be this. No, um, nah. Uh, I think it's like a cartoon or something like that. It's an utterly ridiculous film I found, and and in some ways it's completely and utterly stupid. But I think that's <laughs> part of why I really enjoyed it. I thought it was just uh, utterly mad, and uh, that kept me going through the whole thing. You know, it, there are parts where it starts to kind of drag, but then things will get picked up, and there will be a secret rape room or. Uh, you know, a rape counseling like chair or whatever. You know, I mean, it's it's absolutely bonkers in the best way possible for me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It is. Uh, it's one of those few movies, though, that that often I look at movies in an overall sense, and I, of course I do that partly with this one, but I can't uh, I can't neglect that those feelings get to me that it's a drag most of the time. A highlight real movie and. Those highlight reels are, you know, mind blowing, really. So, uh, yes, I mean, it, it's not really a bad grade, but uh, when watching it, uh, each and every scene, I, I get uh, kind of annoyed as well. <laughs> there's nipple. There's a nipple biting Hannibal Lecter. That's great. Guy. That is great, and we'll we'll get to that. That's fantastic. You know what? He's not super inspired Wong Jing when opening this movie. I mean, there's a montage of scenes from part one, two, and three. Because you, you got Ching Mia in here. Uh, but, you know, come on, dude, make your own credit sequence. I mean, at least, you know, black with red lettering and ominous music. You know, come on, man. Uh, at least it works a tiny bit because we, we do get evidence of Athena Chu being in this, uh, other movies, and she's in this one as well because her character from Rape by an Angel 2 appears in this one. So it's sort of a sequel to Rape by an Angel 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, She's making the comeback. She's she's uh, becoming stronger, you know. Yeah, but basically, she she's a supporting actor. Really, she's it's right. not about her. There there are some threads about her torment since her torment, I guess. <laughs> uh, you know, on, on that credit sequence again, you know, actors elsewhere would have sued the shit out of a producer I mean, like yeah, this I'll... for uncredited appearances, mm-hmm. uh, unless Ching Miao actually uh, did that. Uh, but who knows? <laughs> I mean, uh, may- maybe it was like, nah, that's Wong Jing for you. Yeah. Uh, well, it's Wong Jing. What can you do? <laughs> Indeed, what can you do? I heard actually an example of uh, an actor 
that did uh, threaten legal actual legal action anyway and it was simon yam towards uh, the philip Cofey movie hard to kill starring robin chu uh, that movie has footage from the andrew cam movie fatal termination the movie where a little girl is hung, hung outside of a car uh, th- not that footage but footage with simon yam and he's made to be a a, a character in this new film and uh yeah philip Cofey. <laughs> Uh, so uh, I, I I don't know what came of it, but, but I spoke to Mike Leader and he said that uh, Simon Yam did sue, and uh, he's still in the movie, so it was not like they burned that particular part, part of that negative, you know what I mean, <laughs> for hard yeah, to kill. But but he's right. I mean, you that that's kind of a shitty thing to do. Here we get a glimpse of Ching Miao with uh, you know doing a sexy dance with her arm across her breasts from the finale of Rape by Angel One. So uh, I mean, it's good, but. Uh, Lazy, lazy, lazy. Well, I kind, I kind of liked it. You know, I liked that it. it was kind of a callback to the other films because, you know, they're all so separate from one another that, uh, you know, it was a nice little reminder. I, you know, for me. But yeah, indeed, I seriously doubt anybody was paid for that. <laughs> um, I mean, Athena Chu was in this, so she got something. Yeah, well, she, he's like, well, she's already in here, so. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, did you pick up on the fact, I mean, uh, that um, when, when you get the scene on the bus where you find out that uh, two criminals have uh, broken out of jail, you know, I, I mean, obviously you picked up on the fact that this, they're meaning to actually have the real Dr. Lamb as a Yeah, well, it was, character. What, what did they call him? The, um, the Rain killer or yeah, something? Yeah, uh, yeah, and that, and that was a common name. Uh, not, not a common name, but they, they, they used that to describe him because they did strangle women uh, during rainy nights. Uh, yeah, so, uh, so that, that was what made me pick up on it. I was like, is that supposed to be Dr. Lamb? I and, think uh, it is! <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah. it's not played by Simon Yam, unfortunately. He's played by an actor called Yi Tin Hung. Uh, it looks more like the evil dentist played by Joe Ma from 2. Than Simon Yam's Doctor Lamb from from Doctor yeah, Lamb, but uh, doesn't perform like him either. Yeah. He can't because it's a two B movie. No <laughs> necrophilia here. Uh, oh. The the other guy is played by Chan Chi Fai, who's, uh, uh, who plays the Twin Moon uh, Twin Moon rapist, which uh, uh, Chan. Yeah. Pardon me. Much more over the top. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, Chan Chi Fai is a recognizable face from gangster and action films. He's probably a stuntman, and uh, I think he's the one that Chai in fact shoots first at the restaurant shoot that in about tomorrow. Mm. If you remember, if you remember the beat where the door mm-hmm. slowly opens, the guy looks and boom, that's oh, him. It, t- t- is it like the no look shoot thing? That, uh, uh, no, no. It's the it's the very first that Chai in fact shoots because he's the very first one he sees. So I think so. Anyway, he's in that uh, he's in that scene. You can see him in a bunch of movies. So, uh, so I mean, really, uh, we, we we could go into the real life stories behind Doctor Lamb and that rapist, but we won't because number one, we've we've done Doctor Lamb already, uh, and we will talk more of the real life rapist uh, that this that Wong Jing is putting in this movie when we reach the movie literally called the Rapist, which is based on that case. Uh, then we will dive deep into the case. But why should we, when Wong Jing didn't feel the need no, to go detailed on us? You know, here we are. <laughs> Look at what I did. Look what I wrote. Oh, great. <laughs> that they didn't call him Dr. Lamb throughout it or anything like that. That was kind of a... 
you know, I don't know. Maybe it it, it was more noticeable to uh, you know Hong Kong audiences or whatever. But uh, yeah, somebody just coming into this without the knowledge of those those real life murderers and uh, rapists, they might you know not even pick up on it, mm-hmm. especially in the West. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what, what you think of the relationship between Suki Kwan and Nick Chung. Yeah, and I just got to mention first that Wong Jing uh, likes to shoot, uh, you know, create loving shots of Suki Kwan working out in slow motion. And he's not subtle about anything he's doing here. You know, he's uh, kind of a peeper, which is why it's entertaining uh, in that area. But their interaction, I thought, is one of the annoying uh, annoying habits of this movie, personally. So, so what do you think of their uh, their light and fluffy and funny comedic relationship with, with, within a rapist scenario, essentially? Uh, she was kind of an asshole, wasn't she? <laughs> I think he. I, I think I thought he was more of an ass because he was acting like an ass all the time. I thought you know he he was kind of a dipshit, but she was kind of like a dick, <laughs> like constantly. Uh... Yeah, he's kind of, you know, I mean, she's the one who's in the relationship with an idiot, you know? Mm-hmm. So you'd think she'd be a little bit more open to that, but uh, she seems constantly ticked off by him being an idiot, but, you know. Yeah. And when he's got, got panties got on his head, he puts panties on his head, you know? I bet Wong Jing was <laughs> loving that. Yeah, put oh, panties yeah. on your head, man! Put panties on your head! <laughs> yeah, because everybody wants to sit there and you know, throw their girlfriend's panties on their head and break into her on the shower and act like a you know, psychopath, you know. Nothing nothing bad comes of that, but, yeah. you know, he does get hurt and always gets shot down by her. You know, I kind of like their relationship. I, I did think, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm a loser, but, uh, you know, some of their little uh, funny word games that they play together and stuff like that, um, I don't know, I kind of thought it was sweet. Oh, how, oh. How lovely. <laughs> Coaching the holiday season and all, I can't be mean I'm, to you. <laughs> I'm off the podcast now, aren't I? <laughs> Click. <laughs> Bye. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a matter of taste, of course, and I, I, I don't... Be, who, who, who's, who, who can say who's right or wrong? You know what I mean? So, so, I mean, uh, so, I mean I'm, I'm probably I, wrong. I'm, 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 I'm as much of an idiot, so don't worry about that. But but it's, a, it's evidence of the fear of... Wong Jay not really like having time or choosing to think about much of anything outside of the exploitation elements because you know, just set them up as being a bit uh, funny together, uh, you know, shoot, cut, print, moving on. And, and it's the same in the action scenes, which I know Wong Jing necessarily didn't uh, choreograph, but uh, you, know, you, get, you get way too shaky gunplay and. Uh, and uh, <laughs> And what is it? I think there's a scene where a thief is holding up. Uh, back to Nick Chung again. Is holding uh, Nick Chung at gunpoint, and and I think the thief says mm-hmm. in the subtitles, "You are very annoying." Like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I as a viewer, I know. <laughs> so uh, that that that's the movie definitely talking to me. So. Uh, down a street on like a wooden crate during that action sequence, man. That that beat I, I did enjoy because it was <laughs> a bit more um, very you know out there rather than just uh, po- pointing and shooting and shaking the camera, getting you know uh, effect that way, which was mm-hmm. part of what was going on here. Uh, it's it's not something the movie hinges on. We, we should state that uh, there's the occasional shootout. So. Mm-hmm. The um the comedy is definitely like. Uh, very standout-ish, you know, it does, it's, it's not, uh, 
not well played, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it does sit there and stick out like a sore thumb, especially when you have like rape torture rooms in the same movie as I mean. The final sequence, which this is not a spoiler, it's kind of expected in Hong Kong, but the the final, like, the movie ends on, like, a, a punchline, you know? Yeah. After a whole bunch of, you know, violence, death, murder, and rape, you know, the movie does end on, like, a goofy, goofy, goofy little, like, gag. And it, it kind of speaks volumes about the relationship between these two characters and... You know, the relationship between the comedy and the serious nature of what's actually going on in the movie. And, yeah, I I see, you know, how these two things are, like, polar opposites to one another. But I think the fact that it's so poorly handled is another reason Mm. why. Because that that, that beat when uh, Mm -hmm. when ending a movie like that, that that can be magic in other movies. You know, Mm -hmm. I I can't find that charming to know that it's coming up. (laughs) You know, when you know your Wong Jing movies, you know... It'll come up in ghost comedies. You have that as well when all is uh, over. Someone, you know, a ghostly face turns to the cast, and they all jump in the air and go "wah," and the you know the credits roll. So you know whatever. But okay, two some two some of the darker and more exotic and psychotic and outrageous elements of the film. You gotta talk, Ben M, who's. Stepped down in uh, in in uh, aggression from red to kill compared to here because here he's he, here he's the it's it's the theme kind of of the series he's the calm psycho you know uh, the wealthy psycho and uh, it's the calm one in the union as well uh, amongst these uh, three still looks good without a shirt too <laughs> still ripped still. so so I mean. Uh, Lay it on us here. What's your thought on this? Why, why the movie works essentially? You know, starting from Ben Moon and moving moving onwards. Uh, mm. I mean, what are the highlights of uh, how Ben's scenes go? I guess. <laughs> I mean, how to go into it without spoiling too much? Uh, I think he's just. Uh, we already he's... know he's the bad guy, so that's not. <laughs> <laughs> he's the, he's the bad guy. And, uh, you know, the movie kind of still operates on the same theme that the rest of, you know, the series does, which is about a man who, you know, I guess if you're going to look at all the movies, the things they have in common is the fact that the villain is supposed to be a man who appears uh, to be decent or good, you know, by society standards or what have you, usually successful man who, uh, you know, rapes and murders and does whatever on the side while uh, you know nobody suspects him or what have you, that's kind of mm. like the the format of the series. And um, you know, this one, he's just uh, nobody really looks at his character as being like a decent man or anything like that. I think you know, there's this sequence where he approaches the girls in a club, and um, they basically treat him like slime, even though they don't even know him. Mm-hmm. Or anything like that. Uh, it, he just seems to be a scumbag in, in every way throughout the movie, and uh, he has so many. I don't know if I should spoil it, but um... go, go ahead. Who in the right mind would watch this movie? <laughs> 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 Only those in their wrong mind. <laughs> One of my, you know, my favorite. No, I don't, <laughs> this is it's just an awful thing. Um, his character has AIDS. 
and it's used as a punchline in a very brief little joke in the movie that uh, is really black, really dark, and uh, it, it's a joke or what have you. But um, yeah, it's really rarely mentioned. Well, it's only mentioned I think in that one scene. So it's like he—he's this guy who has AIDS and has been raping women across the United States. Seventy-one girls. Seventy-one girls, but not too many in Hong Kong. You know. Well, that makes you don't care. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you don't you don't shit in the you know the kitchen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> don't shit where you eat. He goes abroad usually. You know, and only you know rapes girls in Hong Kong that really catches fancy. Even though he has like a rape room where he you know delivers girls for his psychopaths that he helps escape prison. So um, yeah, his character's a pretty big scumbag in this movie, mm-hmm. and uh, that's partly what makes him so special. Ben is good at this, and uh, it's <sighs> not uh, it's not being like boringly typecast. Mm. I, I think he can do this. He can also be very he can also be very kind uh, within a role like this, you know, to show mm. different sides to him, you know, an angel and a devil, and can be uh, actually kind on screen as well because we, we've talked about the movie The Accident where he placed this mild-mannered uh, gay taxi driver in one of the three stories in that movie, The Accident, which is, uh, he's really good at that. So, also a very brave actor, obviously not uh, thinking like uh, roles are too risque or anything. I mean, he did Red to Kill, and he has sex scenes in The Accident, or what have you, so so, so good on him for, for expressing himself that way, and it turned out good. I mean, for mm. he's gotten acclaim for, for better or worse, because the roles are quite heinous. But, uh, but but there there is a claim out there for for Ben and rightly so. Uh, so so he's the calm one in the union. The other ones, especially the Tunmun rapist, is you know the clownish, clownish rapist who gets excited by uh, everything within one second, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just rips off his clothes whenever whenever this whenever oh, yeah. he smells it, I guess. Uh, which uh, I don't, I, I don't think it's necessarily a comment on the real life case. I mean, the real life case is horrible. Uh, no, no two ways about it. But uh, that's, uh, I think it's just a very, like, uh, not thought out direction to him. Just to have him appear all wacky and have him appear sort of semi, semi gay as well because he, he's he caresses Ben mm, twice in the movie while watching. <laughs> watching like the security footage or watching some other girl get raped he that rapist caresses Benham's like knee or lap or whatever twice <laughs> I didn't even recognize this oh, so uh, I mean I, I, I did enjoy that because I, I enjoy Wong Jing pushing but I'm so kind of sad that it's only 2B despite I mean we, we do get some strong imagery oh, yeah. but not category 3 imagery because otherwise it would have been category free, despite all of this, uh, all of this crap here. Uh, um, okay, we'll get back to them and let's talk Athena Chu for a little bit. Uh, the character, as we said, uh, is suffering from events, sort of, in uh, in uh, part two. I mean, she's working. Uh, she's uh, still a superior, you know, commands uh, teams, teams, you know, male teams of uh, cops or whatever. Uh, but but. It, <laughs> 
there, she, she's just there. She, there's a glorified cameo, and I love seeing Athena on screen. She looks sexy. She looks sexy with a gun too. But it is really a glorified cameo. That is, uh, I would have liked to see a full movie with her rather than see more dopey interaction between Nick Chung yeah. and Suki Kwan. Uh, but uh, alas, no, you know and. Uh, and, and uh, once her brief scenes are over, we're back to again, Suki and Nick. Uh, we're back again to watching the experiment about how much you can push within uh, 2B, which is always interesting. And it's definitely interesting here in those, uh, in, in those scenes. And, and, and that rape cellar is, uh, in all its simpli- simplicity, uh, a very visually uh, interesting scene because uh, there's a fan in there. There, and there's a light coming from outside and therefore obviously uh, streaks of light uh, is created uh, while the fan keeps going round, 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 round. And that leads to the best and biggest gore moment of the film. Yes. When uh, Dr. Lamb opts to play with, um, with the, the victim and play with a fan at the same time. So without, they couldn't go into necrophilia as the, and, and him cutting up bodies like he did in real life. So they managed to get away with him shoving her into a fan and uh, a bunch of blood hitting his face. Very, very um, striking moment. It is actually striking. I mean, uh, if, you know, on that, on its own, on its own merits, it's uh, it's kind of clever that uh, okay, we we got to find some way to to be graphic, but we can't use those elements I described because they are automatic, category three. Uh, so let's uh, just. Uh, let's just go general horror if you will uh, on you yeah. so uh you never get a shot of her uh, her while being you know sliced by rapist uh, by the fan or uh, or an aftermath shot there i believe so uh, mm-hmm. so it's um that's a moment of comfort fodder within a horror uh, you know horror exercise which i kind of like you know uh, if i would have gotten more of that i wouldn't think much of uh, where's all the nudity <laughs> because again being 2B you can have some nudity but not you know wall to wall nudity right uh, <laughs> so, and, and, and when you're uh, when you're within because they're a high tech a high tech union you know you, you almost are. you almost think to yourself like uh, it's uh, James Bond Mission Impossible you know together but for rape purposes <laughs> and, and that's beautiful exploitation thinking you know there's uh, the um, what would you call it? Like uh, the rape headquarters, or like yeah. there's a uh, it looks like a, almost like a Star Trek control panel. You know, three swiveling yes. chairs for our uh, you know rapist union who sit and monitor these girls on their camera or what have you, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, brilliant stuff. And I think uh, within all of this, there's uh, one of the other st- really strong, almost unsettling moments in the film is, uh, um, well, well, first of all, I should mention that uh, I thought the score was quite weak. No, it sounded like almost porn score at points, but the, it is more menacing at points, but not up to the standards of composer Jonathan Wongs, who composed the music for Dr. Lamb, Red to Kill, and what have you. And I really enjoyed those scores quite a bit. But uh, the, the moment that I think is very um, kind of haunting is uh, when one of the le- girls is forced to make a call to one of her friends, maybe it's yeah. Kwan, while being raped by Ben Um uh, yeah. from behind. Uh, that's a strong dark moment, not something that Wong Jing, you know, uh, makes uh, goofy or anything at all. Yeah. 
That was, uh, yeah, very morbid. Uh, but uh, speaking of morbid, let's talk Anthony Wong. <laughs> 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 and uh, probably the best, uh, really the best creation out of the film, other than the Rapist Union as a whole. Uh, here's a character. So yes. let go on and describe uh, the human milk drinking doctor that Anthony Wong plays. <laughs> he is, he's, like, did I say it earlier? But he's the Hannibal Lecter of this movie. You know? Essentially, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he knows, you know, rapists inside and out. He's a reformed rapist who works at a porn theater in order to control his lust cravings. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that wouldn't make you, you know, more horny, you know, sitting there watching naked people all day. Well, yes. well, well what do you know about the psych- uh, psychosis and psychological, uh, you know, you're right, you're th- right, yeah. th- things that goes on inside <laughs> of a rapist? You know, it might, you know, it might be so, so much of an assault. <laughs> on your senses that it actually calms you down so you know yeah, I buy it I buy it it's like whoo alright yeah I feel, feel alright no, I don't have a degree in anything I'm just you know <laughs> amateur psychologist I'm, it's it's probably legit <laughs> cause I'm they probably you know did some serious investigating and reading behind this so yeah I'm sure Wong Jin read it in a comic strip or something yeah. like hey in the script it goes <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so uh yeah, he works at the theater. He drinks milk uh, and bites nipples. He is obsessed with it. So. Yeah, he does. Okay, he's not. Uh, he's not a thorough angel, if you will. Mm-hmm. No. And, and there's a wonderful bit where Nick Chung tries to be a tough cop and goes off screen to like teach him a lesson, and then he comes yeah. out and uh, and reveals that. Uh, bite marks uh, on his uh, on his nipples, essentially around his uh, <laughs> around his nipples. That because this character has to have human milk. So Anthony Wong, uh, Anthony Wong taught him a lesson, and and all of this represents better momentum on VCD disc two. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, once that switch, then we get you know the appearance of Anthony Wong and what have you. Uh, and the humor is very dark, but mixed with the dark, I think it uh, works. So, so much better. I know it sounds very goofy the way Anthony Wong is portrayed, and truth be told, it is, but okay. it's also actually funny. Yeah. It's, it's uh, good stuff. He makes the most of it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, talk about his side profession as well when he, can't, when he isn't a projectionist. Um, uh, you know, he, he was a salesman. Do you remember what he did? I don't remember what he sold on the streets. He what sold bras. Bras. <laughs> <laughs> And he's actually selling it outside of a cinema that is showing, according to the uh, to the outsider, uh, when I look upon the stars, the rom com by Dante Lamb that was out at the time. <laughs> so you you wonder like they they just shoved Anthony Wong in there and real life cinema goers possibly got to look at him because because it matches the timeline. But you know t- times are tough. You know bad economy then, bad economy now. You got to support yourself uh, somehow. You know somehow. You yeah. know, and uh, I'm, I'm sure it's not getting uh, you know a, you know a huge salary projecting uh, porn all day. So uh, yeah, but but it's an absolutely classic uh, little creation actually. Uh, and and Anthony is such a willing pro that means that he's usually the more outrageous stuff is anyway into it and therefore that translates to good celluloid you know what i mean he's, a, he's very like uh very like tame in the role you know he's very methodical and slowed down which makes it all the funnier you know because mm-hmm. he, he really does kind of have a little bit of that hannibal lecter to him and like uh i just think about uh, 
I think he's talking about talking to uh, Kingdom Yoon, I think mm-hmm. it is. Yep. He's, he's talking to her uh, at a sequence you know, in the film where they bring him into uh, the house that's being spied upon, basically you know, using his expertise or what have you. But uh, I, I can't remember the exact lines, but it's great when he's hitting on her. And he's like, uh, I would like to take you out tomorrow night to go see a play. And she's like, uh, maybe. He's like, your eyes have already given it away. You know you want it. And, 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 the, like, play, and, and the play is actually about, I wrote this down, about a mother feeding her children milk after dark and they die. <laughs> <laughs> That's the plot of the play. What? He circled that in the, in, the, in, the, in the program, you know. I'm seeing that and I'm taking her. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Have a taste of that again, listeners. He wants to take her to a play about a mother feeding her children milk off the dock, and they die. <laughs> I, uh, words do not describe. Written, directed, and produced by Wong Ching. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, and and she's uh, they, they do make a boob joke uh, uh, about her that she's not uh, big enough, or she's actually had a boob job or something, because it comes back later in the film as uh, she she gets saved by her enormous rack or something, some crap like that, I believe. Yeah, or no, padded no, bra. Is what yeah, it is. yeah, she's stabbed into a fake flat chest or something yes, like that. That's so kind of kind of brilliant. Small boobies. Uh, the white mask comes back, kind of. It's more of a kinda. kabuki mask mm-hmm. in this one. Uh, so, Fred throughout the movie is not really their primary focus. More of a primary focus between two and three, I would say, because they have that same uh, same white neutral mask in uh, two and three, respectively, despite them being separate movies. So. Mm-hmm. Um, what else can we say here? Well, they they do say that. A rapist trap a la Red and Kill, um, but um, it's not really a beat by beat copy. Uh, copy in that regard, I mean, um, it, it's not it, it's not doing that in general. I should say, copying other category three movies, or as far as I know, other movies beat by beat. So, so Wong Jing is trying to create something original here, even though the, the original parts aren't at, at all times, especially for comedy, uh, very alluring or. Uh, fast moving or what have you but but i do remember one one gag that i in the beginning of the film where or the, the girls are having fun and someone has milk spilt over or paint or what have you and when you take that screenshot you just go thank you wong jing thank you because my mind's my mind goes there you know semen <laughs> of course that's what it's supposed to be Sure. And, and and that I approve of thoroughly. I mean, I I, I, I don't like to do a face palm. I just like <laughs> he's not ever gonna grow up. Cocky. <laughs> yeah. The best joke in the movie is actually a, a dialogue between Nick Chung and Athena Chu, uh, where he they're sitting in the back of a van and they, and um, they talk briefly about the fact that she encountered uh, the evil dentist in. Uh, part two and he says very briefly that i heard you didn't take your clothes off <laughs> which is actually a lame joke but actually goes straight you know goes into reality as well because yeah. athena didn't take her clothes off and maybe some wanted to and she said no and uh, i don't know I, I don't know if you call that meta humor or what have you but uh, uh i liked it it's a out of all brief things that f- flash by you know what i mean ha huh. that one was kind of clever yeah I, I get it i get it <laughs> 
and, and joke for the audience, yeah. And and Wong Jing snickered, you know, behind the scenes. <laughs> like like a like a sleazy the sleazy one that he is and all of that. So, uh, but uh, you know, to to give my final thoughts on the film, and then you can give out whatever notes you want, in whatever order you want. I mean, again, it's comfort fodder to a basic degree, but a far far cry from two and even three, in my opinion. Although it's nastier than. Than the third part. The third part was very, very sanitized and more of a try to be more of a classic thriller. Partly it did it well. Partly was, uh, yeah. but uh, it's uh, it's it's memorable. Uh, it's very memorable in 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 the darker and the darker comedic areas. I, I'll, I'll give you that. And uh, uh, but but I do have, as I said at the beginning, trouble getting through it and liking it in an overall sense you know I'm, I'm str- when i'm thinking in over in an overall sense in this movie i have to stretch so much you know it is good in parts but man is it not in other parts uh so but uh, it does have an eye ending as we as we said but uh old old tack that was charming in other movies and not this one so uh, i mean even in two where he dance on a slap you know when i think she slaps <laughs> francis mm, and you get this goofy face that, that's 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 perfect so uh so that's me on rape by angel four you you go ahead and unleash whatever you want uh yeah i don't know i mean i think it's a goofy good time <laughs> and uh yeah i mean there's really not much more to it than that one of, one of those I think pgts GGT, I like it. But, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I like it. Um, I think that it's probably, to me, one of the stronger of the sequels. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would definitely revisit this one more than uh, some of the others. Just because I, I think it's one of those movies, a better party movie. And part three's probably been my least favorite of the series. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I take offense to you, dare... <laughs> daring to say that part three was better than this. How, cru- no. how cruel you are. <laughs> you bastard. How, how dare you say bullshits. He raped 71 girls in the U.S., buddy. All right? That's ridiculous. No. Uh, <laughs> this. I think, yeah, I think this one's got the villains. I think it's got uh, just an overall cartoonish sensibility to it. And uh, it's ooh, not. Oh, by the way, can I just ask you something before I forget? Yes, uh, do, yes, do you think possibly that the scene towards the end where Ben acts like a statue and comes <gasps> out of nowhere, it, do, has that possibly been seen in any other movie? I'm thinking that is prime fodder for Wong to copy, to bring to his own cinema from somewhere else. So do, um, you didn't recognize that as such? Uh, actually, it just sounds like... like such too smart for Wong Jing. <laughs> right, I mean. Um... I mean, this is, like, way off, and I doubt Wong Jing's has seen it, but uh, it does vaguely remind me of something I saw in a, um, a Japanese film uh, called Black Type Killers, and uh, from, like, 1968, I believe. It's an um, early uh, Yasuhara Hasbe film, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I just remember something about statues in that film coming to life. But, I mean, there's, it's probably been done a million times, but the stylish way that it's done here kind of reminds me of something I saw there. But, um, yeah, I was actually going to mention that, that that shot of, you know, him as a statue, it's so obvious, you know, I mean, that she passed it up, but it's still pretty amazing. I think it looks great, and I think it's uh, it comes off really well, mm-hmm. that, that entire sequence. That, the uh, fan sequence with the blood splattering all over Dr. Lamb, and just the, you know, 
the rape chairs as well as the rape uh, dungeon. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think you know those four things are kind of like uh, something. Those are going to stand out to me later on. Like even thinking about the series on the whole, I think that those four elements all are uh, very unique and all kind of stand to make this one, mm-hmm. you know, something that uh, really stands out in memory. Mm-hmm. Dad and human mate drinking doctor, obviously. Oh, uh, yeah, well, you can't forget that. <laughs> go, the, god, the godfather of rapists. Even uh, Ben Noon's character can't come close to him, probably. They didn't say a number of Anthony Wong's character, either, so he's probably in the hundreds or thousands. <laughs> but but the, the, the problem for me is that the series is getting old at this point, and Wong, I, I wanted Wong's ideas to be harder and harsher and rated higher, and that, that's why I thought Chinese Torture Chamber Story 2 worked so well because uh, they, they, they really went for it it's not, it was not a tamer version of a Chinese torture chamber story 1 in a way it's a, a darker gloomier film the first one is very goofy mm-hmm. if you remember the first Chinese torture chamber story because uh, if you haven't seen that at all mm-hmm. yeah. uh, so um, it, it doesn't have another flying kung fu sex scene to see uh-huh. it's actually a remake of Blood Brothers the uh, uh, the Chang Chia movie Blood Brothers. It's the same story that is itself in itself actually a real life story. Hmm. So it's the same story, but with a paintbrush, paintbrush shoved up a woman's vagina by Mark Cheng. Good times. We'll be we'll be covering that movie. But uh, uh, okay, we um, we are satisfied slash semi satisfied only. We we can say. <laughs> Uh, there was a China Star DVD and VCD out there, but it is now out of print. I own the VCD. Uh, VCD correctly stated Category 2B on the cover, while the DVD spiced things up with a number of frees on the cover, despite it being 2B. The actual document uh, that states it's 2B is on the VCD. So it's not like the DVD was right and the VCD was wrong. Uh, but uh, it sells DVDs, I suppose, to slap frees on them. But it's not. So, uh, again, eBay, Torrents, f- find it that way. They are the unofficial sources uh, because uh, this uh, this is not bound to be re-released in a Blu-ray box set anytime soon. Uh, the demand is not high, possibly for the first one at best, because they, it has so much name name to it. Right. But uh, not even that has reached any remastered DVD or, or Blu-ray or what have you. So. Uh, pray, pray for it. Otherwise, bundle it up yourself. <laughs> Take the DVDs and the VCDs and the tapes and p- put it into a very odd-looking bundle. It's my rape by an angel box set. <laughs> you know, the laser disc and VCD and tapes and uh, you know, and uh, and uh, with silver tape wrapped around it, really sloppily. <laughs> box sets. <laughs> Uh, okay, are we satisfied with four? And should we move on into the fifth one? Uh, part one. Yes, indeed. And we'll talk about why, why, why we, why Josh is so silly by saying five point one. It's actually a very good point. But it is the final judgment, the Rape by an Angel five after the break. So see you after the break. <laughs> That's a break. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
Welcome back, and we are finishing off the Raped by an Angel series, kind of. The full explanation at the end of this episode. With Raped by an Angel 5, a final judgment from 2000. And the plot, which I, this uh, one I took from IMDb, simple enough. Five women seek revenge against their rapists. Can they get to him before he can strike back? That's essentially it, and uh, they're, uh, yeah. ga- they're gathered up by Gigi Lai's character. So, kind of a union, if you will, against a rapist. <laughs> Rape victims union. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we- we'll get to the Chinese title uh, in a little bit. I just wanted to briefly shout out uh, two of the female uh, actresses in this movie. Uh, again, Gigi. Is it G- yeah, yeah, I suppose it's Gigi Lai, or whatever. Yeah, TV and film actress and pop singer, most viewers have probably seen her playing Ekin Chang's girlfriend, Smarty, in the first three Young and Dangerous movies. And just like Ben M did in the accident that we spoke of, um, Tested Dramatic Waters, that is, uh, Lai did as well as a serious actress in that movie in a, in a separate story. There were three like, um, overlapping stories or what have you in the accident. So she was in that. Uh, she's also in a movie called To Where He Belongs, where she played against Simon Yam, and also Devil Face Angel Heart versus a scarred Daniel Wu, which is a pretty decent uh, Billy Chung-directed um, bloody action movie, and he turns into kind of an elephant man character in his look after he scarred Daniel Wu. But it's, a, it's borderlining on some cool exploitation, I, I remember. Uh, she is the granddaughter of Lai Man Wai, who's said to be the father of Hong Kong cinema. No wonder, he was the director of the first Hong Kong movie ever, 1913's uh, Zhang Zi's Tests His Wife, <laughs> where Lai also played the role of the wife. And uh, Lai, Man Wai, Lai Man Wai is portrayed in Stanley Kwan's 1992 biopic of actress Run Ling Yu, which uh, is, was called Center Stage, and uh, actor Wise Lee is portray- portraying Lai Man Wai in that movie. And uh, she's also the daughter of actor Lai Bun, who's said to be kind of a supporting character actor in uh, Hong Kong cinema, not uh, an actor I know of personally. So um, uh, so that that's all good, a great little heritage, if you will. Uh, and also a brief note on Kelly Lin, one of the girls in this movie. Uh, she was a Wong Jing discovery out of Taiwan. She got high-profile roles in The Con Man in Vegas, Tricky Master, which was a Stephen Chow movie, I believe. And she's also in Andrew Lau's The Legend of Speed, but also more notably in multiple Johnny Toe vehicles, such as Running Out of Time 2, Full Time Killer, and more recently Sparrow. So she's still active, and uh, this is definitely not one of her better roles. It's uh, no one's good role, <laughs> this movie. Uh, it was released mere two months after part four, and uh, Wong Jing's production company, Jing's production, was still involved. But as we said, main producer is Lee Siu who's uh, a character actor in various triad movies. Um, it was in Rebecca, uh, briefly. They have a triad negotiation in Rebecca, as you might remember. Yeah. Him. He's one of the... Uh, uh, he is the one on uh, Stuart Ong's side, but they, it turns out they all turn against Stuart Ong after the trial negotiation is over. Um, so he, he appears often in, in gangster movies, if you will. And uh, finally, uh, Chinese title translation time again for Rape by an Angel 5, Final Judgment, provided final, by... S- final... The final oh, translation, like indeed. Uh, well, we, we have one more, actually. Uh, so, Sylvia provided this, and uh, I was initially confused i thought uh, i gave her the titles in the wrong order 
based on the translations I was given, but they are in correct order. So this one translates as Uniform Attraction 2 Underground Court, which obviously a court of law. So Uniform Attraction 2 Underground Court. Okay, uh, I mean, it makes sense. It's about yeah, uniforms. So. Yeah. So uh, it's not they, they, it's cool that they are translatable. You know what I mean? It's sometimes, when you just do literal ones, they they just come out as pure gibberish. You know, just words stacked upon each other. So, mm-hmm. so it's good that when you can actually uh, make some kind of coherency out of that. So, um, so that's that. Uh, my brief opinion: it's a good-looking but tame and uninvolving piece by. You know, it's raped by an angel light, and that's not a good thing. Uh, th- there's no Billy Bloody Tang or apocalyptic ferocity here whatsoever. So that's my first brief opinion. What's yours? Um, Samesies? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, basically, that's, that's kind of it. Um, this is, um, you know, I mean, I guess it would be similar to, even though it's a sequel to... Uh, well, kind of a sequel, I guess, to the Uniform Fan, you know, Rape by an Angel 2. It has another it, Uniform Fan. That's enough of a sequel, I guess. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, that must have been probably, I guess, the biggest of uh, the you know series since it's referenced so much or what have you. But, um, mm. yeah, um, I don't know. It's, uh, it's just, it's, it's a thriller, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> with um, some elements of what made the series so interesting but uh by and large yeah it's just kind of it just kind of happens you know stuff mm-hmm. happens you know there's a little bit you know some rape references there's some cosplay mm-hmm. you know some sexy sailor moon girl you know i'm gonna I'm a sucker for wigs or whatever. <laughs> Put <laughs> on a wig. You got a, you got a pretty Hong Kong girl or whatever with a uh, crazy vibrant red wig, and I'm Jello. You know? Yeah, it, it's it uh, it's merely the way she kind of you know enters the movie. It's not like it's mm-hmm. plot re- relevant as such. She's like a hostess or some crap like that. But uh, uh, it's Anita Lee. She's a sexy, sexy woman uh, mm-hmm. and a pretty decent actress as well. She's in a movie called Cohabitation, which I really liked. Uh, kind of a romantic uh, comedy drama, but with some uh, with some sexy stuff as well. So mm-hmm. I did like that. I, I became a uniform fan for a second there. <laughs> you know what I'm uh, I, I I am probably one of the few people that's not at all familiar with Sailor Moon. I know it's probably a manga and an anime series or even movie. That's maybe that's all there is to know. I, I, I don't really I was, know anything. I was a confused teenage boy watching Sailor Moon on like TV because you know you watch it. You know it's a children's it's, thing, right? It's not adults. And I think anime. it's supposed to be for girls. It seems like it, but you know. Yeah, you know, I, I, I watched it a bit as a uh, kid, and yeah, I did. It, it was actually, you know, a legitimately pretty cool show, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, there's probably probably also brings in a lot of pervs too. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I assume she's in a yeah yeah. It's that schoolgirl thing, I suppose. Yeah, it's, it, it's referenced in one of the. Um, Fruit is swelling or ripe. I always confuse that. Uh, it's the second one that is the category three remake of Big, but uh, but but the character. <laughs> Grows old, uh, never has any sex in the movie. So, but but they do reference that she makes she makes like a peace sign, but across her eyes kind of thing. You yeah. know, like yeah. like Travolta, but not that move. So yeah, I guess that's a Sailor Moon kind of 
signature? Yes. You know, from what I remember, it's basically like a group of girls that all, you know, are, you know do basically do that, and they transform or some shit to, like, mm. uh, powerful sailor girls. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah and, uh... and then Goku comes out, and, you know, he goes to Super Saiyan level 4 and uh, destroys, you know, villages or what have you. Uh, talking about a game or a series now. <laughs> uh, anyway, what, what what good you can say about this movie? There are very very few things you can say is that it looks good. Oh yeah. Uh, Tony Mao or Tony Mew from that shot a lot of Billy Tang's movies, uh, Red to Kill, uh, Run and Kill, Doctor Lab. Very talented cinematographer and can mm-hmm. together with Billy Tang, you know, they they are a good visual team and they are going for slick here, but. Uh, and th- that would have been cool to have in a very harsh movie again, but uh, unfortunately we do not get uh, that. So, um, so that, that, that that's kind of the end of uh, you know any notes you can have on that. That it looks good, there's some evoking or opening, and then then it kind of just looks good throughout, and you're you're not really interested in anymore. The you know the, the less the less and less interest there is in the movie, the less and less you think about that visual team. But uh, it's cool that they work together again, I suppose. Right, yeah. It it starts off well, the movie does. Like, I mean, the first five, six minutes of this movie is just like, it is kind of breakneck pace, you know. You're sitting there, um, all the the girls are introduced one by one, and then they're moved into the mystery plot, and all this happens in like a very quick succession, you know, boom, 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 boom. Mm -hmm. And then, as soon as they're kind of on the case, which... I never really understood why these girls were put on this case, you know. I mean, the cops failed, so let's get a bunch of girls with baggage to sit there and try to find this, you know, rapist. Uh, yeah, I suppose. Vigilantes, in a way, I suppose. Why? I don't know. <laughs> why would somebody do... Why wouldn't you... If you're going to, you know, go with something, why don't you get private investigators, you know, or, you know, men who won't be raped, you know? <laughs> um uh, yeah, it's a head scratcher, and like the, you know, the, the this is the you know crux of the movie. This is what holds the plot together, and you're like, why the hell, you know? And then who thinks this would be like good therapy or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, to put somebody else in danger of possibly being raped again? Because our main cast are all you know women who have been raped in the past, correct? Mm-hmm. It's it's so it's like. You know, their counselor thinks, oh, yeah, this would be a great idea. Let's go out to the woods, right, by ourselves, basically the woods, some small village or what have you, and we'll sit there and we'll go try to find this man who raped this woman and put her in a coma. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's the plot right there. Yep. And uh, this old lady is like, yes, please do. Come out here and find this, uh, you know, attempted murderer slash rapist because uh, the cops couldn't do anything. It's like... I guess she was doing it because she's like, oh, yeah, because, you know, a private investigator might cost money. So let me, you know, get these, you know, insane girls who want to sit there and go, you know, chasing after this psychopath who, you know. And and, and there's money here. I mean, she, uh, she? I mean, the lady, I I mean, someone surely is wealthy here. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So it's not like they are all, uh, you know, bums or anything. And there's even talk like, uh, when they first come to the thing about, you know, being put on this mission, this job, and stuff like that. And when they say stuff like that, it makes me think somebody might be getting paid for this, you know? 
And if if that's the case, that really doesn't seem to make any sense. Uh, yeah, I may. I, I'm not. I was, I was not very engaged by it. I mean, you can't oh, sense a fire or dedication by Billy Tang here, uh, at all. I mean, it's so such a far cry from, you know, even his cool category two B stuff like shotguns or haunted karaoke or what have you. Even that is, you know, it has some fire present there you know mm-hmm. and and you you don't care about any character the only strongly defined character is anita lee just because she is dressed up as sailor moon at one point you know, ah i remember yeah <laughs> and, <laughs> she goes through a couple of little outfits in the movie and yeah, yeah. that was probably one of my main uh, sticking points like ooh. and i mean one is a fighter the, the lee fay character yeah that, that, yeah, that, that but that it, you know cool. that you know that's, that's a character image a setup not not a not character depth and uh, and uh, you know so I suppose if you want to look at it deeply but actually there isn't there you know they, they are trying to be strong women together you know rebelling against the society of norms and notions and they didn't get help from society you know fine if that's there but it, it's so you, you have to force yourself to think right. that way and therefore it's not well portrayed. yeah <laughs> there's better ways to have got them involved with the case rather than just being like let's go do this you mm-hmm. know uh, you know you could have forcibly had them put on this you know investigation instead of having them go out and do it as like a side project you know let's all go out to the woods a little, vac- little have a little vacay you mm-hmm. know let's go have a vacay and hunt down a friggin rapist murderer mm-hmm. you know that, that's not, that's not you know i wouldn't recommend that to anybody a person especially you know i wouldn't recommend that to anybody who hasn't been raped you know mm-hmm. much less someone who has been you know, and is obviously dealing with the psychological effects of that. So you know, the whole movie doesn't really make sense, you know, which is one of the few times you can really say that about the series. Like normally, there's some logic going on, you know. I mean, but this one definitely doesn't uh, hold anything strong. And often there's some savagery going on here, and here we get, you know, it's very, it's almost to the point of being sanitized, despite it being a rape revenge movie. Mm-hmm. There's, it's very stripped down and very tame. What the, mm-hmm. the little that goes on here, and I'm sure Billy Tank could have pushed within category two B, and it does turn a bit sexy, does turn a bit nasty at point because we're dealing with the subject matter that we're dealing with, but there's no real effect here uh you know it's um again i welcome a challenge of making exploitation on a on on a lower h rating but uh uh here, here the, the regard you you can you can you know f- forget about having the rating in the discussion and just look at the movie as such and it's not a good movie at all uh, it's, it's it's so light you yeah. know and it's very fluffy and like you know i just i think about you know, when the girls are first put on the case and they go to the uh, house where the girl who was put in a coma, where she was found at, and they find a couple of young punks or whatever. And mm-hmm. there's this whole sequence where they sit there and um, end up putting one of the dudes, you know, up in a tree by sitting there tying a rope around his feet and, like, dragging him up in the you know air. And then they question him. Mm-hmm. Everything's played for, like, uh, you know, very comedic purposes, very light, very, you know... Not not what you would expect from a movie that's going to be dealing with the content that it does, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that's sort of the way the, the entire movie's kind of carried up until the final parts where the mystery finally begins to kind of unravel. Mm-hmm. 
And, and, and at this point, I mean, there's even fewer people that are going to watch this movie, so I'm going to spoil the <laughs> fuck out of this now. You know, the rapist is the character played <laughs> by... G- the rapist is the character played by Jimmy Wong. Uh, kind doctor, I don't know what it was, but he was kind to and a supporter, a supporter of uh, Jiggy, Jiggy Lai's character, I suppose. And, and was then he it, the brother, uh, I, I don't know, I, I don't I, care. I think he was. <laughs> so, so there is some stunning imagery here involving him. You know, Tang catches glimpses of you know stunning, even shocking imagery when we see Jimmy Wong in his Nazi suit. Mm-hmm. You know, when he suits up like that, you know, whoa. Yeah. Not like there it's cool, but like, yeah. oh man, is that what he likes? You know, it <laughs> opens up all kinds of exploitation, you know, uh, trappings, but in a good way. You know what I mean? You can go a lot of places with that. I'll, um, like the whole Nazi thing, like, I'll just go backtrack a little bit, but like, uh, you know, basically he is not revealed. Like, the rest of the movies, you know, you kind of know who the rapist is for the most part, except for like, um, uh, the third movie, I believe, was kind of like a you know hidden thing right up yeah. until the end. Yeah, yeah, but like the rest of the series, you kind of you know who because that's kind of the premise of it. Like the you know there's a really good guy that is you know secretly a rapist, and you know that that continues here. But there's a mystery surrounding who the you know the rapist is. There's even a point in the movie where the uh, I think the Nazi uniform is first brought out, where uh, you know it's actually really you know cleverly shot and it's you know some brilliant lighting. Uh, where he comes out of the shadows, but his face is still in black, but you mm-hmm. can still see his uniform, and you can tell you know what he's supposed to be, especially when he throws up a sick aisle. Yeah. And, uh, Not Saturday you know, one. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> and he proceeds to rape the girl, and they, they show that, but they hide his face or what have you. But, um, yeah, it, it's one of the few movies where it's kind of like a, a mystery going around. and uh, But by the after the first hour, they kind of give up on that. Mm-hmm. And they they kind of like finally start moving into okay he yeah, obviously hey he's the he's the rapist mm-hmm. and uh, and, yeah. and 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 there's no uh, shock value in the fact that we know mm-hmm. that and that he's a wolf in disguise because he you know there's love in the air between him and Light's character but but <laughs> but that, that that's no effect you know you're not scared about that fact oh my god he's a monster <laughs> that's kind of one thing that you know. Uh, I think I made mention. I know I made mention it to you, but I think I made mention it during the review of like the first movie, maybe even the second. That you know, in the original movies, there was kind of like this uh, thing going on where it was like the, the rapist was like really clever and he was mm-hmm. setting everyone up. And you know, there was that I mentioned it, the Michigan J Frog thing, where you know the frog sits there and sings and dances when nobody's in the room, but yeah, as soon as yeah, somebody yeah. comes in, it's back to ribbit. Yeah. Ribbit, <laughs> which I mean, some people will get that. Believe me, go back and Google Michigan J Frog. You'll find out. But um, yeah, there's that, and then there's really even four and five. You know, the Rapist Union too, where the the rapist really isn't that clever. He doesn't hide his face in public that well. And and this movie, you know, it's just, it's all about you know that mystery up until the end, and they just kind of lose. You know the clever. You know, oh, you know, oh, he's been doing this. He's been setting her up, and da da da. When instead, he just, he's just an asshole hiding a secret. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all it really is. Yeah, there's no intricacy worth like mm-hmm. being on board with. I mean, compare, uh, you know, compare as you just did with Mark Cheng's uh, right. scheming in part one. That is, you know, pure genius. Uh, not mm-hmm. not compared to, I think, is really clever in part one and really effective because you do go like, God 
damn it, we, it's him, it's him. You, know, you are involved in that regard. Here is like, oh, you know, the way they trap him at the end, you know, what, what if, you know. It's I, so bare to what the original was, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Rapist Union, if I could say anything bad about that, that that would be it, you know. it's They just kind of lose sight of that clever scripting. And, you know, I really shouldn't expect much from a movie like this where, you know, I mean, we've got, you know, a, you know five girls going out in the woods to find a rapist, you know. I mean, yeah. you shouldn't really expect anything smart from it. But, and and yeah, especially during an era where Category 3 movies were not that all in high demand and well-made, and a Hong Kong cinema that was struggling mightily, regardless. Yeah. So, um, uh, but but that doesn't excuse anything, obviously. No, it's yeah, yeah it's poor scripting. Yeah, and and there's even like technical, so some crap technical aspects actually here. You know, the audio in the club sounds like mm-hmm. it because it's mostly sync soundies. But the audio in the club sounds like it was recorded in a, in a toilet. <laughs> because the echo is so odd, you know. Obviously, when you shoot a club scene, you have people dancing, but there's no music there because if you want to record live dialogue, you can't have music going on. But right. the, the mix is so poor, uh, so badly recorded and mixed. And uh, that that stood out because, come on, man, at least record the sound properly. <laughs> uh, rather than like, looping it in a toilet, but uh, whatever. Yeah. Um, there's some shrill sound design that is startling, if anything. But I could appreciate that a little bit here and there. But but they overuse the shit out of that song, whatever it's called, that you hear all throughout. And it's supposed to be haunting the way it's used during during or at the end of certain horrific scenes. But I liked it during the intro, but yeah, afterward, you know. I, 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 I always connect it to an autumn's tale because it's featured there as well, you know, but in a mm-hmm. much better way, and that's a completely different, <laughs> completely different movie, obviously. Uh, the, the the only shock shocking imagery here, tough imagery that I can think of is at one point the rapist, which I think we know the identity of now and therefore the camera shows him, is undressing the sister in the hospital bed that's in a, that is in a coma. Mm-hmm. You know, at taking advantage of her while she's in the hospital bed. That's effective. That's pretty nasty, but not that I was asking for it uh, as such, but, you know, it showed that there was some spark in fire here to, like, uh, push buttons, but uh, it's one of the rare, rare, like, slip. They they, they slip, uh, managed to slide their finger across the button a little bit. That image came out, and then they, then they, then they hit the button away. Yeah, <laughs> Locked it away. Impressed. That's for sure. So it's, yeah, I, I, I don't have anything else to say, really. For Billy Tang fans, you don't need this in your life at all. It's, um, it's you know, it's not interesting to know the perspective on his f- filmography uh, by, you know, e- examining this. It's actually not needed at all. I would rather recommend most of his other Category 2B output from this time, end of the 90s, but not this one. So, you know, go, go watch Wild and Street Angels and Haunted Karaoke uh, and even, even Casino to some extent, uh, which was not a good movie, but, you know, it's, uh, it's worth seeing a Billy Tang movie even. Uh, past the category three or post the category three era, this is not the one to watch. But uh, so there you go. Uh, a recommendation, therefore, amongst all of these movies that came out after the category three era of his, 
Sharp Guns is the one you gotta watch. That is proper fun, flirting with exploitation, and uh, it's a good little crime thriller kind of comedy with uh, uh, where Tang shoots um, Anya, uh, who was a naked weapon, with uh, Maggie Q. He, he shoots her very, very well. She's a she's a say she's an S and M killer in that one. So yeah, good stuff. Uh, so anything else on? Five. Um, it's not. I don't. You know, I'm not gonna say it's a terrible movie, but uh, I'm gonna yeah, say it's, it's a terrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I think it's a very general. I mean, I think that the basic construct for the plot is so flimsy that you know it really, really damages it from being taken serious, which is really bad because it's a movie that begs its audience to please take it serious. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think that. I think that. The last half kind of starts to work a little bit as a mystery, but yeah, this is just a rape, you know, some murder mystery first, and an expo- exploitation title like fourth, you know? Yeah. It, it's not really that involving or anything like that. It's just kind of bland. Mm-hmm. But that that's not necessarily makes it terrible, but it's bland. And, I mean, you can skip it totally, but, I mean, if you want to go through the entire series, you're not going to die while watching it. <laughs> that's that's my rec- yeah that should go on this DVD box right there. You're not a, going to die while watching a post off like, movies where you actually die when you yeah, <laughs> so bad. <badly. laughs> <laughs> Have a heart attack akin to Terry Gilliam in Monty Python and the Holy Grail, <laughs> then falls over. <laughs> All right, uh, availability. Universe put out the movie on DVD and VCD, possibly Laserdisc as well. Uh, that's now out of print no other company has it and is repressing it so look for used copies on ebay or torrents if you're really keen on finding this movie which i would be surprised if you were but uh, that's just my opinion uh, but uh, that is us almost at the end of the rape by an angel coverage i'm not saying that because we're gonna have a huge summary of the series like now that we have it in the rearview back mirror no i i don't really believe in that uh because listen to the podcast and you get our our general sense and view of the of the entire series so but we are going to look at another rape by an angel movie (laughs) what Yes, yes. Another. What are you talking about? I thought there were. Is it therefore Rape by an Angel 6? No. No. <laughs> what, what? Rape by an Angel of a New Generation? No. <laughs> Rape by an Angel 5, we're going to look at. Wait. Yes. Yes. It's actually there is actually a second Rape by an Angel five out there in the market. This was in two thousand. The one we saw, Final Judgment. There was a Rape by an Angel five made in two thousand and three. A shot on video, unsubtitled one. That is the first one in the series that is category three again. So, in the bonus episodes or bonus episode or boner episode attached to this podcast, you can hear us review. The unsubbed Rape by an Angel 5 from 2003 uh, for our sins. Because we can and why not? And uh, I'm actually I'm glad that I got to watch it. Actually, it's way better than fifth one, the actual fifth one. Uh, so we um, podcastonfire.com 
the bonus episode section or when this episode comes out they will both be published at the same time so that you can't listen to that on itunes or stitcher only on podcastonfire.com so thank you for your continued support uh, if you go to that bonus episode uh, via that website exclusive episode uh, so uh that's that but the next time and this is a busy busy month december for this weekend's lease because we uh, we got an idea from a listener i believe his name was steve lamof pardon me for pronouncing that name wrong that suggested a this weekend's lease christmas special oh. a special charlie Chow tidy whitey christmas if you will and he, he's totally right i mean you you gotta do it and uh, so yeah. so what movies do you pick when celebrating a special tidy whitey charlie Chow christmas well you pick depraved movies obviously <laughs> the, the most foul and depraved charlie Chow movies you can find and i've therefore picked for the next main episode this is obviously not a bonus or anything uh we are going to look at the devil of rape <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, yep, no subtitles, doesn't matter at all. Uh, and we're going to look at Love is Over, which sounds uh, poetic and all that, but uh, it's uh, the movie, I think it has the highest amount of sex scenes uh, with and involving Charlie Cho in any movie I've ever seen. And uh, we're going to keep uh, count, or Great Lord Joshua Regal will do yes. it, uh, a very careful and proper count while watching <laughs> Love is Over. And I'm guessing at I think we're going to break the Dustin number on that one. Whoa. Ch- Charlie is. I mean, uh, we're, we're talking like initiated sex scenes uh, as well. They count, you know, when he tries to fondle or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> or make up your own criteria and see what we come up with. 528! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> uh, so that is, we're going to do that. We're going to do that feature, if all goes well, a little bit of Christmas carols uh, this week in Sleeve style from uh, two of your favorite characters on this show. Uh, involving Josh mostly <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to see if we can make that work it's going to be fun great idea Steve uh, we're going to do at least a dual review of those two movies uh, they're not Christmassy at all but w- you, you don't pick Christmas movies when doing a Charlie Chow Tide Weddy Theater Christmas so yeah uh, are slim on that <laughs> I guess so <laughs> um, no let it snow means something completely different in the context <laughs> of these movies you know what I mean uh, so see you for our Christmas special and uh, screw you if you don't like us calling it a Christmas special. So we're not going to name it a Festivus so a happy holiday Charlie Chow tiny way to feel a Christmas. So triple X must be. Uh, but not really. No. Uh, so check out the bonus episode after this one if you're interested but we are ending the main episode by some brief contact with them, some brief contact information and this has been the Rape by an Angel coverage on this weekend's lease. Uh, we are located at podcastonfire.com. You can reach us on email, podcastonfire at googlemail.com. Check out the bonus episodes that we've uh, plugged to hella back uh, on the website. If you're an old member of the forum, you can still access the old members-only archive that will, in, in, in time, be available on the website because we have all the files and all of that. I think I'm going to do something with the old stuff. There's some good stuff there. Join this, the discussion on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash POF Network is our page. Follow the link on that page to the discussion group. Ask to join and you're in. Or type in Podcast on Fire Network in the Facebook search box and you'll get to the discussion group. And follow us on Twitter and tweet us there. Twitter.com forward slash Podcast on Fire. My writing of the various Taiwanese and IFD in Ninja Exploitation uh, 
and even horror stuff on sogoodreviews.com video reviews are plentiful on sleazykvideo.com and follow me on twitter twitter.com forward slash sogoodreviews we have our own feed on itunes so subscribe to us if you like to download your podcasts uh, having to have them waiting for you when you wake up on whatever whatever morning we deliver them to i guess uh in the case of the christmas special you know when you wake up on christmas day they're gonna be there's gonna be a beautiful <laughs> podcast waiting for you mom i heard something i can't done here <laughs> and uh if you like the show despite that scarring leave us a rating and a comment we would very much appreciate that and stream us on stitcher as well application is available to your ipad or your iPhone or your Android. And once you're in Stitcher, type in Podcast on Fire Network and you can add each show individually. ShelfLifeClothing.com is our good friend Brian Kirby's t-shirt line. He might have some good Christmas deals coming up. He designed our intro together with, although he doesn't know this, together with the great Lord Joshua Regal. And uh, <laughs> the outro music is by Brian as well. As we thank him for the support and support his t-shirt line. Bullets of a Chinatown is our friend King Ho's blog that you can see some where you can see some posters and some food every now and again. In the mood for <laughs> in the mood for Guaylo, G W A I L O dot blogspot dot com. And your plugs plugs, Joshua. Uh varied and vcinemashow dot com, you know, for my two main things. And uh, while when you hear this episode, hopefully uh, you have maybe yeah, maybe ten episode uh, ten reviews done on your Ooh. Kung Fu Christmas. You know, God, so, I hope so. Yeah, and uh, we will release this on December first. So get cracking! <laughs> 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 no, no, no. I, I'm predicting mid December for this one. So uh, okay. Uh, so uh, that is us. Thank you very much for listening, and let's stop talking the category to be fucking <laughs> I don't want it anymore I want back to the free soon Ken soon yes thank you thank you Sam Master <laughs> <Joshua>. <laughs> <laughs> alrighty thank you everybody see you next time